Hi everybody, Brett Stewart here. Before we start off this jukebox, I do want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors. This show just simply cannot happen without sponsors like Plectone. That is P-L-E-C-T-O-N-E and you can find them at Plectone.com. They're a small but growing guitar products company that I have raved about here on the show before. Now their pick, their product, it's called the Double Pulse. And it's a double strike pick that allows guitarists to strike each string twice producing richer, fuller, and brighter tones. They have two of these on the Plectone shop. If you go on over to their website, they have a 0.5mm and a 0.6mm. I have personally tried both of these. I really enjoy them. I think Plectone is a wonderful product. It's a really cool tool to have in your arsenal because it does provide fascinating and compelling new tones to your instrument, and it's also a great icebreaker because it is a cool-looking pick. I would highly recommend checking them out. You need to go ahead and do that because without them, shows like this just aren't possible. So we so appreciate it. Plectone.com. Now, on to the show. You've got the jukebox. You're listening to The Jukebox, your monthly dose of the very best indie music around. Please welcome your host, Brett Stewart. Hello, hello, hello. My name is indeed Brett Stewart, and you are listening to the Jukebox Podcast. This is being recorded on September 25th, 2016. This is our monthly episode for the month of September. I'm really excited to be back with you guys. A lot has happened in the last month, and if you've been checking the feed, you know that there is a new roundtable in the feed as of this week. I was joined by Lauren Rerick and Noah Jacobs from the Gray Estates Music Blog. And the three of us sat down, we talked about the month's music news, we talked about all sorts of musical topics, but in particular, we touched on the importance of gender neutral and female artists in the independent community. It's a really interesting listen, you should go and check it out, it's on the feed. Now I want to do a couple other housekeeping notes, and then we'll delve right into the great music we always do. First of all, know that I always promise the jukebox promise. And that promise is that we will never play anything less than exceptional. We curate the selection here on this show so you don't have to. The independent music scene is an incredibly inundated scene. There's so much music. And let's be real, between me and you, let's be real, not a lot of it's very good. (laughs) It's really not. There's a lot of really bad music in the independent music scene, and that's okay because that means we're all learning and building on top of one another. But it does make it hard to find good music, and that is exactly what we are here to do. So I challenge you every single month, and you've heard this if you are a recurring listener, and if you're not, then welcome to the show. Hope you stick stick around. But I challenge you to listen to music that you would not otherwise listen to. Don't turn off the podcast or fast forward if you hear hip-hop or reggae or blues or 
R&B or soul music or instrumental music or anything like that. There's my super professional phone beeping. There we go. That's how we podcast. (laughs) But if you have not listened to those things in the past, go ahead and open up your mind to them because I promise here on the show you are going to find something special. That is what we do here. A couple other housekeeping notes. Continue to submit us. Uh, You can just do jukebox submission in the subject line, and you can send that to jukeboxpodcast at gmail.com. There is more information on our website, jukeboxpodcast.com. Fortunately, the last two episodes, I have called out to all of you and said, please start following our guidelines. It makes it easier for us, and you don't fall through the spam filter. And everyone's been doing that, which has been uh, sincerely appreciated. And as always, you can review us on iTunes, but well, you wait till the end of the show and see if you actually want to review us. I got to earn that review, right? A couple other notes. I am now continuing my hosting on Geek Cinema Society over on the Blazing Caribou Studios Network. You can find that at BlazingCaribouStudios.com. If you would like to hear me and my two co-hosts, they're eloquent, fantastic people. I love doing the show with them. And you would like to hear us talk about films. That's the place to do it. All right. Now let's delve into some music. The housekeeping's out of the way. Let's jam. Our first artist is Scott Warren, and his new album, it's now on Spotify, Apple Music, it's on all of that. It was released on September 16th. It is called A Way of Life. So when we shine our gaze on Scott Warren, we should note a couple intriguing things. He's a 45-year-old musician that recently took to the studio to record 11 new tracks. And he's been writing these tracks for over three decades really long time. That's a lifetime. And one could most certainly argue that that is much longer in the making than most of the music I play on the show, or most music in general, quite honestly. So in order to fulfill his vision, Warren teamed up with a new vocalist on each track of his album, and all of these vocalists he he collaborated with from all around the world. Now, I've seen this before, and we've played one or two of these types of artists on the show, These are artists that typically collaborate through the internet, which I've done before to uh, varying degrees of success. And it's difficult because you can't be in a studio together. You can't bounce off one another. If you have a vocalist and a person doing instrumentation, then one of those has to come first, usually the instrumentation, and the vocalist has to be able to layer themselves on top of that, and they might not have a lot of wiggle room because they're essentially just singing a karaoke track at that point. So it is a difficult place to A, make it sound good, and B, make it sound organic. Because the ultimate goal of this type of production is to fool the listener into thinking that you are in a studio with everybody. That's the highest compliment you can give an artist who does this. And I think Scott does that. There are some tracks on the album that maybe fall into territory where you can tell they were recorded apart, but then there are some tracks on the album where they are so razor sharp that you can just feel the energy coming from every single entity involved. This track that we're going to be playing, it is called, I did not have it up, because that's how, (laughs) this is what happens when you record podcasts very late in the evening, this is what we're doing here. The track is called In Between. My apologies. Check out In Between. I thought it'd be a great track to start 
our jukebox for September 2016. Alright everybody, that was Scott Warren. The album is A Way of Life and the track is called In Between. You can find that on all major streaming services. I would recommend checking it out if you would like to hear my opinion on the remaining 10 tracks of that record. I do have a review of it up live on my website in the Independent Spotlight section of brettdavidstewart.com. And I'd also like to mention that I think Scott has a wonderful Beatles vibe to his music. I think there is some Fab Four influence there. And I think it does him justice. So check him out, Scott Warren. A couple of you have emailed me asking why we don't do the show live. And when I say a couple, I guess that is quite literal. Only two of you have emailed me about this. Well, this is probably why, because if I was to do the show live, I'm not sure how many people would be available at 12.30 in the evening. But in seriousness, that is something that's on the back burner, that is moving its way to the front burner, 
for 2017. We've got some cool stuff coming up with that. So hopefully that answers your question if you're curious as to when and if I may ever do this show live. Now moving on to our next artist, we're going to take a very serious turn here. And I want to attempt to approach this track and this artist with the with the mentality that I would like you to as well. This artist, her name is Chasing Jonah, and that is the moniker of Ashley Dudukovic. I believe that is her name. It's D-U-D-U-K-O-V-I-C-H. It was produced by Josh Cobb, C-O-B-B. This track is called The Sentence. And Ashley sent this to me to review quite a while ago, and I had to listen to this song several times over in order to effectively gather my thoughts on it. Rape and domestic abuse are very serious issues in the U.S. and everywhere else. And they're very hard to write music about, and they're very hard to approach in the realm of artistry because they're painful, and they're taboo, and they're awkward. But we have to. We have to talk about these things. We have to try to make them better, and we have to try to educate our society through our artistry, which is what we have always done. It's one of the primary purposes of art is to log the emotions and the musings and the struggle and the triumph of a generation, of a person. That's all very important to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm soapboxing here because this track really hit home for me. It really resonated on all the cylinders that I think Ashley wanted it to. The sentence is written from the perspective of a woman who has been either raped or uh, sexually abused or in some way, shape, or form has been in a negative relationship. And she is under the impression that it is her fault. That these bad things that have been thrust upon her by this partner are things that she has asked for in some way, shape, or form. Now, as a student of journalism... This is the technical term for this in our industry is is victim blaming. One of the hardest things to do as a journalist is cover the story of someone who has been raped or abused. And the reason behind that is because so often society starts blaming the victim, right? With women, women who have been raped, it is, oh, she was wearing a short skirt, you know, quote unquote, she was asking for it. Uh, oh, she was walking alone. She was doing something where she should have expected this to happen to her. And because it did, that somehow nullifies it. Now, I don't want to get into the politics of all this stuff here on this show, but I think it's a pretty apolitical statement to say that that is, that's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. A woman is never asking for any of this, and she never deserves any of this. Or a man. Or a man who is in an abusive relationship. It can go both ways. And with the sentence, the sentence is written from the perspective of a woman in this struggle of victim blaming. And I think as a society, maybe we can take artistry like this and look at it and say, what are we doing wrong with the way we stigmatize abusive relationships and what happens to people in hard times? And I realize that this is a very dark 
and somewhat depressing turn after Scott Warren's wonderfully Beatle-esque track. But that's what we do here on the Jukebox. We play good music, real music, authentic music, and that is exactly what Ashley is. Check out Chasing Jonah, The Sentence. Dark, smile bright, cover the tracks of your stolen light. Don't come closer to me. I can't force you to see what you don't want to, what you don't want to.
All right, everybody, that was Chasing Jonah, the sentence. The last thing I will say on that before we move on to some much lighter music is I would recommend another piece of media that's floating around out there is the film The Hunting Ground. It's a documentary that came out last year about college students who had experienced sexual violence and were attempting to find justice for themselves. Now, we could get bogged down in the logistics of this film because it was later discovered that The Hunting Ground did get into some ethically dicey territory with how they got their content and what they chose to show on film. But, but, it is worth checking out if this is something that you don't know a lot about and would like to hear some first-hand stories. Because that is what's wonderful about media, is that we can have songs like Ashley's, and we can have films like that, and it all brings together for, hopefully, some better societal change. Moving on, though. This next band, they're called I Fight Lions. It's a pretty badass name. From North Wales, they're a post-punk outfit that performs in both English and Welsh. So when they sent me their music, all of their music was in Welsh. And I said, I really dig what I'm hearing here, but I have no idea what you guys are saying. I have to make sure this is a clean show, and I have to make sure you're a decent lyricist. So they sent me along an EP that they had recorded, or rather a longer record, that had songs switching off between Welsh and English. So I spun those English tracks. A lot of them were very solid. But in particular, this one really spoke to me as a fantastic song. It is called Silver-Tongued City Slickers. You can find I Fight Lions on ifightlions.com. And they recently supported We Are Scientists, if you are familiar with that outfit. Check out Silver-Tongued City Slickers by I Fight Lions.
silliest city boys am I to compete? My tongue isn't silver, it's tied and it's cheap. Can't offer you anything but honesty. And honestly, you could do so much better than me. was the song Silver Tongue City Slickers by I Fight Lions, the band from North Wales that performs in both English and Welsh. If you enjoyed that, keep tabs on their website because they do have new studio music on the near horizon. Our next artist is a Berkeley College School of Music graduate. So he's classically trained, and it shows. His name is Pedro Jose Bernardez Saria. So it's Pedro Jose Bernardez, and then Saria is S-A-R-R-I-A. That full name will be in the show notes as well. We're going to play several tracks by Pedro because the immense variety of his work is so impressive to me. And as you will know, if you have listened to this show for quite some time, I don't typically play two or three songs by an artist unless it is fully warranted. And in this case, since Pedro is a performer, or rather a composer, also a performer, I think it is absolutely warranted because each of these tracks sound like they're entirely different. They sound like an entirely different artist. They're really, really good. So the first one we're going to listen to is called The Dainty Dames. It was a theme he wrote for Dainty Dames Productions, a theater company out of Hollywood, California. They make dinner shows, and Pedro worked with them for almost a year on their show Hollywood Heist at the Next Door Lounge of Hollywood. This was in 2013-2014. Check out the track, The Dainty Dames.
That track was The Dainty Dames, composed by Pedro José Bernardes Saria. The next song we're going to listen to of Pedro's, because again, we're going to listen to a couple, because I strongly believe that the immense diversity of Pedro's catalog is just so impressive, and I am excited to showcase it with all of you. This next track is a version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And hey, we record this podcast right here in the Windy City, Chicago, Illinois. So, do I care about sports? Eh, not really. Do I care about baseball? Not really. Does everyone around me in my entire city really care about sports and baseball right now? Yeah, you bet they do. Go Cubs. They're going to the World Series this year. They're going to win it. Whatever that means, I don't really know. Anyway, I digress. This version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game was written for a sick hospital patient. Uh, Pedro responded to a Craigslist ad of someone looking to make a rendition of Take Me Out to the Ball Game for the sick hospital patient. And he came forward and offered to do the music. It is a beautiful track. I never thought, and the reason I'm playing this is because I never thought that I would listen to Take Me Out to the Ball Game and feel a poignant emotion. Because the song is so inherently kitschy. I think the last time I heard it, it was for a commercial for Peanuts. So, the fact that Pedro can make this a song that just tugs at your heartstrings, and just a stunning, gorgeous recording, I must laud him for that. That is an impressive feat. So check him out with this track, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, a piano rendition. I want to take a moment now to thank another one of our sponsors here on the program. Again, this show is made possible by sponsors like College Radio Day 2016. It's coming up. It's the 6th annual College Radio Day, Friday, November 4th. Hundreds of college radio stations are going to come together to celebrate the unique medium of college radio. 
If you are a college radio station or a student, you can register for the event for free on their website at collegeradio.org. You can also find their media kit. You can donate to their organization. You can do all this cool stuff. And most importantly, you can find a participating college radio station in your area. Go ahead and find these college radio stations and support them. Don't just tune in on Friday, November 4th. Tune in all the time, but make sure to tune in that day as well. I myself have done college radio work. I've done stuff for WCRX 88.1 FM in Chicago, and I can speak to the complete importance of that medium because it's not just music. College radio is imperative to the development of the entire entertainment industry. You're going to hear stuff. You're going to hear interviews and talk shows and advice shows and funk and blues and rock and roll. Trust me, tune into your local college radio station at 2 in the morning and see who they have in the graveyard shift playing God knows what. You're going to find something interesting. I promise you that. They're really worth supporting. College radio, uh, these students put a lot of effort into what they do. So check them out. I'm going to play a quick spot from College Radio Day here so you can learn a little bit more about them, and then we'll continue with the show. Thanks so much. College Radio Day 2016 is coming on Friday, November 4th. Hey, this is Sean Lennon, and I support College Radio. To me, it's like the beating heart of American alternative you know, music culture in a way. Songs I've never heard, but I move anyway. Let's rock! Tune in and enjoy a national celebration of the day when college radio comes together. Hi, this is Moby, and I very, very happily support College Radio Day. So join us on November 4th as we ignite the soul of college radio and declare to the world that college radio is alive and kicking. Hi, I'm Alanis Morissette, and I support college radio. But I won't do your homework. Please don't ask me. For more information, please visit collegeradio.org. Okay, we return to the show. We're going to play one more song from Pedro Jose Bernardez Saria. This song is called The Forgotten Library. It was inspired uh, by the Castlevania video games, which he's a big fan of. It's supposed to be the music for a hypothetical level. And I love this. As someone who is a video gamer my whole life, I love games. And I've been around gamers my whole life. I've played the Castlevania games and many games like them. This song immediately hit on all the cylinders for me. I love it. And I love the compositions that are designed for that medium. Because if you are a video gamer, or if you know gamers in your life in some capacity, friends, family, co-workers, take a moment to figure out who composes the music for those games and perhaps listen to a soundtrack. Because trust me, you are going to hear some of the most elegant uh, and incredibly skilled composers that, you, that you'll hear anywhere classically trained composers who are producing phenomenal music that spans an incredible variety of genres and influences. Whether it's world influence, electronic, or anything else, it's in video game composition. So I love that Pedro is doing this, and I hope that he can get his music into a game someday. I'd love to play it. Check out The Forgotten Library.
That was Pedro Jose Bernardez Saria. We'll have that name in the show notes if you would like to go look him up online and check out more of his music. I really love what he's doing. Now, I want to play something here on the show that I have access to an audio form that I recorded earlier this week, and I thought it would be a wonderful addition to the show, especially because of its subject matter. And I think this is a very special piece of audio. Now, let me preface it. I went down to Chess Records this week, or the old Chess Records building in Chicago. If you ever go to Chicago or you live here, it's down at 2120 South Michigan. I went down there because the building, it's an inconspicuous building. You would never know what it was unless you went and looked right up into it. You can't even open up the door. You have to ring the doorbell and someone comes out from behind a wall. And it's called the Blues Heaven Foundation. You can find that online, Blues Heaven Foundation. Because what happened was the Dixon family took control of it about 20 years ago and rehabilitated the building into the Blues Heaven Foundation. Now, some historical context. Willie Dixon was a bassist and a multi-instrumentalist who was signed to Chess Records and eventually worked his way up. He was a full-time employee. He was eventually a producer. He played on over 3,500 songs. In his life, he had 600 hit singles. He's been gone since the 90s, and his name is still a mainstay of music culture, especially within the realm of blues and chess records. If you are not familiar with Chess Records, Chess Records is the label, the independent label that was putting out artists by the likes of Etta James, Howling Wolf, Muddy Waters, Chuck Berry, later on the Rolling Stones. Well, at least the Stones recorded the Chess Records. And countless, countless others. You could go as far to argue that Chess Records is the foundation for rock and roll and many other genres as well. So it's a very wonderful place. It's a pilgrimage of sorts to go down there and check it out. And I went down there this week on a recommendation from a friend. I watched the video that they show you (laughs) when you walk in in the tiny little gift shop and you walk through and then they show you a, a video that was shot sometime in the 80s and looks like it was shot sometime in the 80s. And you're in a relatively small space. But it takes a moment to sink in. And then you sit there and realize, I'm standing where Chuck Berry recorded Maybelline. And that is extraordinary. And the best part about the building is that it's completely untouched for the most part. It is exactly as it was when they recorded there. Now, I was given a tour by a wonderful man named Keith Dixon. He is... Willie Dixon's grandson. He has been involved in music his whole life. He's been around musicians his whole life. And he's in his late 20s now. And he volunteers to give tours and help run the Blues Heaven Foundation. He's very passionate about it. He's a wonderful guy. And down there, they're not just a a tourist shop. They're not just a little museum. They offer artist services to independent artists to help get on their feet, learn how to be savvy musicians. And I don't mean that in a musical context. I mean that in a business context. Because if you don't know the music business, you're going to get burned. 
That is just the reality of the music business. And in fact, Willie Dixon had got burned. And he spent his whole life working through that. And he wanted to make sure that no one else got burned the way he did. With bad contracts. And selling off rights and licensing and owning your masters and all this different mumbo-jumbo that many artists are not familiar with. So at the end of my tour, when I realized that we were being given the tour by Keith Dixon, I asked Keith a couple questions on camera. I wanted to relay them back to a class that I am a teaching assistant for where we teach the history of rock and blues and R&B music. And I decided to cut it up and include a good portion of that audio for the jukebox this month because Keith and I talked about, and he talks in great detail, about the importance of the independent record label, like Chess Records, the importance of the independent artist being savvy with their business skills and understanding how this business works, and finally, why people, like the students in this class that I teach assist, should come out and check out a place like Chess Records or the Blues Heaven Foundation. So I'm going to go ahead and play that audio. I apologize, it was recorded on a mobile device, but we did. We were in a very quiet space because I didn't know I would have the opportunity to talk to him that day. I thought I would just be going through the motions with a normal tour guide. But we were in a very quiet space, and I've gone ahead and tinkered with the audio, so it really does sound quite good. You shouldn't have any issues whatsoever hearing our conversation. So without further ado, here is a segment of my conversation with Keith Dixon, the grandson of Willie Dixon, who help runs, uh, he helps run the Blues Heaven Foundation in Chicago, which was once Chess Records. Check it out. We're talking about the importance of the independent label in the launch of music because we look at stuff like your grandfather's label with Chess Records. We look at stuff like Stack, stuff like Motown. These indie labels allowed these artists to flourish, do you think? I mean, how important was it that someone like your grandfather was giving a place for these young guys to come in and make this music here? Well, when it comes to the independent labels, it's very important because the major labels aren't going out looking for the next up-and-coming artist. They they pump out artists by, oh, we have writers, we want this person's image to look like this, but the independent labels are working with the people who are actually out in the field working. So when it comes down to Chess, Sun, VJ, all these labels, if one of these labels weren't around, there's a lot of music missing. VJ Records was right across the street from us where the Beatles actually came and cut their teeth and did their early blues stuff. So when it comes down to the independent labels, those are probably more important than the major labels because most of the artists that are signed to the major labels today started off on the independent labels and that's where most people found out about them. Right. And if we look at like, how do I say it? So we look at these labels and the people they were signing, especially black artists in in the fifties and onward, their music was often segregated to different charts. Mm -hmm. It wasn't on the rock charts. It was on the blue, the R and B charts. Right. Yeah. So didn't chess help overcome that barrier and get onto mainstream charts? Somewhat, and that's because Chess was around before most of the other indie labels. And right. chess, chess was setting up to become the major label themselves. They had two pressing plants in walking distance from the building. They had their own radio station in walking distance from the building. 
So when you start thinking of it from that point, nobody's performing in Soldier Field during that time period. Everybody's playing in bars and nightclubs. Leonard Phil owned about 15 different clubs in Chicago. They actually own liquor stores. They have a developmental studio. So now you're looking at it from the point of they're setting up for the next big move. And most people don't understand that these artists and the artists here, Leonard and Phil Chess Group, poor. They don't care about any color of your skin. They care about the color of money, but they actually are, they actually appreciate music for what it is. It's music. And they want everybody to enjoy the music. So when it comes down to to changing, changing what ended up happening from segregation and artists being played on the same label, Chess is probably one of the dominant companies that was looking at artists for artists and not for the color of their skin. So is that one of the reasons it's important for you as a volunteer to keep your, your grandpa's legacy alive down here and keep you know people coming here and checking well, this music out? Well, the reason I'm happy to be out here, I, I was in music at one point and I gave up on that after figuring out how many songs my grandfather had. But when it came down to actually go, when it came down to me volunteering here, my grandmother asked me to come down and help. And before that, I'd been coming down here as a kid, but I wanted to really help artists understand how to be successful because most artists don't understand how to be successful. Most of them think it's radio, tour, and hit record. No, it's everything that goes on behind the scenes from knowing your entire crew to booking your own shows because if you don't book your shows and you have a manager that does it, they take 20% of whatever they charge to book you. Right. Off the top. Before anyone else gets paid, 20% goes to your manager. And some managers make 30%. So once it comes down to actually knowing the business, I really want artists to understand you can be successful. You don't have to be the front person to make make a career out of this and make it into where you can support yourself. Most people get told, oh, if you're not seeing, if you're not touring, if you're not performing, you're not making any money. That's not true. If you're actually... If you actually have your own publishing, if you own your own publishing, you're making a lot of money. If you own the masters and your publishing, you don't really even need to tour. You can probably sit at home on the couch and go to your mailbox and pull out a check for $2 million and never have to worry about anything. But it's most artists don't understand how to make money. Most artists don't even know the difference between your masters and your publishing. So I'm here as a young kid just to make sure that when young kids do come in, they actually see, hey, if you don't know the business, it all started with Chess, with Sun, with Stacks, with Motown, and VJ and all the other companies, Muscle Shoals. If you don't know the business, you won't actually be successful in this field. You'll probably do better getting a regular, a regular nine to five. Yeah, and you can get eaten up by that industry if you don't understand how how the, the business part of it works. 100%. There's more artists who come in here and what we actually do here is we teach the business in for free, but we help artists who are struggling as well. We help artists with paying their mortgage for a few months. We help them with getting medication. If you're older and you can't afford medication, we even help artists find paying shows that'll pay them to come perform. But if you don't actually understand the business, you'll probably you'll probably be working the rest of your life. So what we do here, our main goal is really to teach you how to be successful and how to be able to live the life you want to live in the entertainment world. 
At this point, I asked Keith about what students and what young musicians can get out of coming down to his foundation and coming down the Chess Records. I wanted to relay this information as well to a class that I help teach downtown. I'm a teaching assistant for where we uh, talk about music all day. That's what we do. It's a music rock and blues class, an R&B class. So I was hoping I could relay some of Keith's wisdom onto those students and I think it's going to be great for this show, too. So let's continue to listen in. Well, the one thing that I know every young kid comes down and asks me when they come in is how to be successful. And the one thing I tell everyone is confidence is your key to success in music and in any form of work, period. But if you are a student at Columbia, if you're a student in any school, and you haven't been down here, you're probably hurting your own career if you're trying to go into the entertainment field. Because if you don't know your history, you definitely won't know your future. Because the one thing that we actually do do down here, I've had the CEO of Sony down here, of Sony Music, talking with kids for free and telling them why they won't get the nice deal that they want. I've had representatives from Universal. I've had the CEO of ASCAP come in, who is an administrating company. I've had the president of BMI come in. So when it comes down to why you should be coming down here, it's not to benefit me, it's to benefit your career. And it's to benefit what you're trying to do into this entertainment industry. And if you don't come down, it's on you, on not knowing the business. The one thing that I always tell people when they come in here is that it's not your record company's job to teach you the business. It's your job to know it before you get there. Because if you apply for a job, you tell them what at the job interview. I know how to do this job. I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. What's your job as an entertainer? Is to know everything from how many records are you're being are being sold, how many are being pressed up, how many are being actually shipped out. Well, now people don't buy physical records. How many are being downloaded? How much is your split off the downloads? Who's downloading them? Who's playing them on radio? And how many times they're being played throughout the day on radio? If you don't actually know the business, you're hurting yourself more than you're hurting anyone else. Because at the end of the day, the record company is going to get its money one way or another you're going to have to give them their money back. Whatever you get when you sign is your advance. Up front, they're going to give you this up front, and then you have to pay that back over time. And you have to pay it back through record sales. Nobody's buying records. Nobody's buying physical albums anymore, so you got to pay it back through downloads. How many people actually buy the downloads that they actually have? That means you're never going to be able to pay them back. So what we do here is we try and teach people how to be successful and how to get it through downloads, how to get it through other means, whether it's commercial in Pepsi or movies or Disney with all the money they spend. We want you to be successful. We want you to be able to say, hey, I can retire in my 30s if I get tired of doing music and go do something else. Sure. So we want people to be successful. And if you don't know the business, you're not going to be successful. You're going to be working every day up until you die. That was Keith Dixon, grandson of Willie Dixon, talking to me down at the old Chess Records building at 2120 South Michigan in Chicago, otherwise known as the Blues Heaven Foundation now. I really appreciate him talking to me, and I hope that that wisdom that he imparted upon me and I am imparting upon you via him is meaningful and interesting. 
Because what he is talking about, and he knows what he's talking about, is how to be an independent artist and be successful. And it's through avenues that you may not realize. And I think that's quite important. So if you're an independent artist, which is most certainly what this show champions, then the kind of things that Keith was talking about in that interview are very relevant to you. So I hope everyone found that interesting. We're going to move along here to our last artist. It's Isabella Caroline Boucher. That Isabella is spelled I-S-O-B-E-L-L-A. Caroline Boucher, B-O-U-C-H-E-R. Her album is called Venus in Chains 100. She describes it as Venus in Chains is for love, peace, and harmony in this world. So the album is all about creating good vibes and good vibrations and good feelings amongst the music community and just amongst our local communities and national communities as well in the wake of so many awful things that have happened over the last year. We look at the United States and we look at the, aside from what's happening right now in Charlotte and North Carolina, we look at the Planned Parenthood shootings. We look at the Pulse nightclub overseas, the Bataclan. There are so many different things happening and sometimes we just need to bring us all together with some good music and some loving music and that's the mission that Isabella is trying to fulfill and I highly admire that. So we're playing three songs off this album and the reason we're doing that is because they're all by different artists. This is a compilation record that includes several pieces by Isabella and several pieces by totally different artists that she is working with to fulfill this project. They all sound dramatically different from one another, and they're all very high quality. So I wanted to play a couple of them because they're very worth showcasing. So why don't we start it off by actually playing a song by Isabella, one of her contributions to the record. It is called My Only Love Belongs to Me. Again, this is off the album Venus in Chains 100. And I will preface this song by saying that I love, love, underline love how Isabella utilizes autotune as a creative function and an instrument unto itself because I love when people do that. Autotune autotune gets a bad reputation for being a crutch. And it can be, that's true. But other times it can be a masterful instrument when utilized in the correct way. I would refer you to Kanye West in that regard. I think he's very good at that. Listen to the record 808s and Heartbreak And that is what this sounds like. Check out this song, My Only Love Belongs to Me. Isabella Caroline Boucher. Break us apart 
for our love is ours It's ours, it's ours, it's ours No only hours Destiny, my destiny That was My Only Love Belongs to Me. I know that's a more experimental track, so hopefully if that wasn't to your taste, you stuck with us. The reason I wanted to play it is because I do believe it's genuinely quite good. It's unconventional, absolutely, but I think there is something to it. And it took me a couple listens to digest and figure out what I liked about it. And I think I know now. My Only Love Belongs to Me is essentially an acapella performance. Isabella is just jam-packing that song with her emotion. And it takes you through this roller coaster and this rise and this fall. And it's, it's accentuated so powerfully and poignantly by this auto-tune. And it feels so authentic and real because even when she breathes in, she gasps on the lines. It goes, <gasps> and you can hear it breathe in. And at first I didn't like that. I said, why do they leave that in? Because the, the breaths themselves are auto-tuned as well. So they almost sound like abrupt, jagged ends to verses. But I think it makes it so genuine and authentic and organic. And then there's that erratic instrumentation on the bottom that rises and falls with the string sections. It's really quite the performance, and I think it is interesting. I like it a lot. I would also draw a parallel to that, perhaps, of Frank Ocean, who we have talked about on the Jukebox Roundtable two months in a row now because of his new release, Blonde, that took the entire music community by storm uh, earlier this this month. We're going to move along to another artist that is on Venus in Chains 100. Her name is Brenda Bennett. Her song is Sidewalk Messiah. When I first heard this track, I had to make sure that I wasn't listening to the new Pretender single. Quite seriously, she sounds just like Chrissy Hind. It's remarkable. But not just the fact that this sounds like a Pretender's track, it's a really good song, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Check out Sidewalk Messiah, Brenda Bennett. 
That was Brenda Bennett. We're going to close out our show with one more song from Venus and Chains. This is a longer song, so it's a real great send-off for the show. It's called Last Man Standing. It's by Nigel Bell. And I think it's such a cinematic, epic, incredibly massive production. It's very worthy of sending us here out on the jukebox, and I think it's one of the better performances on this record as well. So check it out, Last Man Standing by Nigel Bell off Isabella Caroline Boucher's Endeavor, Venus and Chains 100.
same again Behind the mask It'll help tie your shame If you wanna be The last man standing With all news It's a race to find your way anybody. Nigel must have been spinning a copy of Dark Side somewhere when he was penning that track. I love it, and I love the world influence too. That's so cool. That's going to do it for this episode of the Jukebox Podcast for September of 2016. I am your host, Brett Stewart. I will be back in two weeks with another roundtable. And then, of course, on October 25th, we will be back for the full show, as scheduled, as well. 
This show cannot happen without the sponsors that make it possible. A big shout-out to Plectone, a big shout-out to College Radio Day, and a shout-out to Fenario's Wolf, who provide the theme music for the show. That is so sincerely appreciated. You can leave a ranking and a rating on iTunes. Give us some stars. Leave a note. Let us know whether or not you enjoy the show. It really sincerely does help. If we can get a couple more rankings in there and they continue to go in, that helps build our community. We get higher on those aggregated lists with iTunes. It sincerely does help, and we do appreciate it very, very much. All right. We'll see you soon. The Jukebox Podcast is available on all platforms and podcast directories. Visit the show at jukeboxpodcast.com for more content or email us at thejukeboxpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the Jukebox Podcast, please consider rating it on the iTunes Store or in the podcast directory of your choice.